Hello, welcome to episode 2 of Platinum Ranch on Antennas Radio. Broadcasting from Montreal this time. I'm no longer in Texas. But the Texan content is going to keep on coming. I recorded some bits and bobs there that I'll be sprinkling throughout this episode and episodes to come. But for now we're going to keep going with some music. This is Hang On Sloopy by Ramsey Lewis. Struggling, hurting, and anger But 
I stay down with my day ones Got made a win, I came up Oh shit, no more night starving I believed in me, oh yeah It came out on top ballin' Ooh, remember when I didn't have shoe strings Now I pull up, I pull watch that cool swing Big money, get money, we do things Now I get everything I This album is incredible. Kamaya is incredible. Thank you, Kamaya. And thank you, Alex Pork, for putting me on to Kamaya. Alex also has a show on Antenna's radio called Summer Lawn. But right now, you're listening to Platinum Ranch, episode two. I got a big pile of platinum sitting in front of me that I can't wait to share with y'all today. So why don't we just keep going? Most MTLians who know me know that this song is very dear to me. It's not Dodo and a Skunk by Sugar Free. It's Rainy Walk by Tetsuro Yamashita. Enjoy those April showers.
Dreaming by Polystyrene. If you listened to the last episode of Platinum Ranch, then you know that I had been living in a house made of garbage in the desert. This house belongs to and was built by a friend of mine that I met out there. While I'm there, I'll often visit him, sit on the floor of his sunroom, and listen to him talk. This guy is an incredible talker. He does not stop, and he doesn't waste a word. He teaches me how to live in the desert, and he shares insane true stories from his life. He asked me recently if he had ever told me about Frisbee Face. I said no, and that I wanted to hear about Frisbee Face. But first, I had to grab my recorder. Here is that recording, on top of a strange dub track by Harry Hisono. Growing up, I was very privileged to be able to go away to summer camp for most of the summers. Went to a variety of summer camps growing up, usually in eight-week stints. And one of them was in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, called Camp Watonka. This was a science-themed summer camp. We studied all kinds of different rocketry and biology and chemistry, and it was, it was very interesting. It was a mildly sadistic place. Um, as a, a, a ritual, they tied me to a rock for 48 hours out in the woods, and I had to, like, drag the rock home. Um, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a frightening place, slightly. I have memories of, of being chased by huge groups of boys and running across the rope bridge into the woods to try to avoid them and successfully avoiding them. And then screaming, we'll get you. Um, it was a frightening place. Uh, but that had nothing to do with my encounter with Frisbee Face. <laughs> Did you name it Frisbee Face or was it you had heard? Frisbee Face was the camp monster. And around the campfires, they told stories about Frisbee Face that lived out in the woods. There was no real description uh, that I remember in detail of it. And so I just assumed what I saw was Frisbee Face. <laughs> And to this day, I cannot tell you what it was that I saw, but I some saw it. And and whether I was nine or ninety, the, the experience happened, and and the other kids saw it too. None of them were very articulate. I mean, we were all like you know seven to nine years old, and none of them could really explain to the adults what we what had happened to us. I could. I was very young. I was like in the second youngest um, cabin, about nine years old. After dinner, the camp was divided up usually into a couple segments and they played what they called the games. The games varied depending on the night and the desire of the semi-sadistic counselors. Camp Wetonka was in between a valley of two mountains and it was large, it was thousands of acres, and up one of the mountains was an old railroad bed called the Gravity Railroad. I believe there was a, a coal mine at the top that years ago um, used to put its stuff on that railroad and it used to come down the mountain. Um, it was long gone, even the, the, um, the rails were gone. But this was the set with which we were playing the games, um, the game of Capture the Flag. When we were all divided up, the older kids really just wanted us out of the way because we weren't much help and they didn't have much use for us. And so they pointed to like the top of the Gravity Mountain Railroad mountain and said, go up there and, and protect. And so we did what we were told, the, the, the nine of us in the cabin. Um, and I was a big mouth then as I am now and was always pretty much the leader. And so we assumed our position and the game went on in the far distance. We could hear the kids screaming and then running around, but we were just standing there. And 
eventually the night wore on and the sun got lower and lower in the sky and the way it worked was they would sound a bugle and when the bugle sounded you were supposed to head back to your cabin for the night and then about half an hour later they sounded another bugle which was like taps and the first bugle sounds and so we say okay well time to go back to the camp and we're, we're a ways away I'd say we're maybe almost a mile and a half away from the center of the camp big and so we start walking down the um, bed of the gravity railroad and I'm in the lead and everybody else is straggling along but it is in back of me and all of a sudden I hear the person that's in the back the kid named Jimmy scream and I turn around and what I see to this day I cannot explain it was an orb I'd say about 16 feet 20 feet in diameter purple and glowing and pulsing and coming down the mountain after us. A ball of light? A ball of light. The way I can describe it from my memory was a huge ball of light, maybe 15, 20 feet in diameter, very purple, very bright, and it pulsated and bounced. I screamed, run! <laughs> and we all took off. And instead of going down the bed of the railroad, we went straight down the mountain, trying to get to the next run of the railroad. And we're running and running, and I fell, and I cut myself, and I got back up, and I kept running, and finally we reached the next run of the of, of the uh, railroad. We all gather, and we're all out of breath, and Jimmy's not there. And uh, we start calling, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! <laughs> no Jimmy. Half an hour goes by, and we hear the taps bugle, and it's starting to get really dark, and so we head back to the camp. I go into the cabin and the counselor's there, and, you know, and he says, well, you're all late. And, and then he's very rapidly says, where's Chibi? I try to explain to him about the huge purple <laughs> glowing pulsating orb, and that didn't go very well. And, and, and he, he screams, where's Jimmy? And I say, we don't know. And so he runs out of the cabin, and the next thing I remember, it's now pitch black, or the counselor's all heading into the woods with flashlights. There were maybe 15 or 20 of them. They were all gathered together, and they headed out into the woods with flashlights looking for Jimmy, screaming, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Um, the night went by, and they did not find Jimmy. The next morning comes, uh, no breakfast, because everyone is out looking for Jimmy. Finally, one of the older kids had the sense to take me aside and say, where were you when this all happened? And I dragged, they dragged me back up the mountain, and they searched and they searched, and he and his companions found Jimmy huddling behind a rock, virtually unconscious. I remember them carrying him into camp, taking to the nurse's office, and um, within about 12 hours his parents came and took him away. I was then called into the owner's office and hollered at and screamed at and told that, you know, I would destroy their camp if I ever told this story to anyone and that, you know, he would get me um, and that it did not happen the way I said. He, Jimmy just freaked out and we lost him and that was what happened and I was never to tell the story to anyone. And in fact, I never, I did not tell the story, probably for eight to ten years. Mm -hmm. That was my encounter with Frisbee Face. <laughs> I mean, it's... The end of that story, though, is exactly how one of those camp stories ends. It's exactly how it went. Exactly how it went.
That's Dream by 70s kraut rock band S. Up next is Keep It Warm by Flo and Eddie. Gucci Mane fans will recognize this one.
Sounds just like we did when we were quarreling In the yard I keep a pig or two They drop in for dinner like you used to do I don't stand in the need of company With everything I see talking like you Up that tree that's sort of a squirrel thing Sounds just like we did when we were quarreling you may think you left me all alone But I can hear you talk without a telephone I don't stand in the need of company With everything I see talking like you See that bird setting on my windowsill Well he's saying whippoorwill All the night through Just whippoorwill All the night through in between two tall mountains there's a place they call lonesome. Don't see why they call it lonesome. I'm That was Connie Converse with Talking Like You, Two Tall Mountains. You should check out the Wikipedia page for Connie Converse. She's an interesting person. This is Matt Mos with For the Trees.
patience and prudence with tonight you belong to me now let's slow down with too tough Attack. Turn off the bass and close your eyes. Let the groove take you for a ride. Mellow it down. Don't you pump? Haven't you had enough of that junk? Remember the face. Remember the name. 'Cause you're gonna hear it soon again. Slow down.
nieba spływa i don't ścieżkę na której czekam w sobie chowa więc nie każ mi już dłużej tak Na siebie czekać w chłodzie nocy. Spójrz, już przyszła noc. Zakrywa sobą szyby. czekać w chłodzie performing a song with a Polish title that I cannot pronounce. Last week, more of Alan Lomax's archive was released to the public. Alan Lomax recorded folk music from all over the world from the 30s to the 90s. He's probably best known for recording all kinds of American folk, blues, and country. Many of these recordings are what enabled the folk revival in the 50s. He's kind of a hero because without him, these incredible recordings and the artists would have remained in obscurity. He had a dream to make all of the recordings he ever made available to the world in a giant jukebox. It's a very cute idea spawned before the internet, and I don't think the jukebox is going to happen, but his archives are being slowly released in giant platinum chunks for free on the internet. 
This is great. However, Lomax documented these songs all the way down to printing and publishing the lyrics and music. Songs that used to be passed along by word of mouth, the lyrics and melodies constantly being reinterpreted and changed, were now copyrighted and owned and put to paper by the Lomaxes. He and his dad would travel to plantations and prisons recording music and basically taking it home and filing it. John Lomax, Alan's father, famously bailed Lead Belly out of prison to make him a star. Even though Lead Belly was now out of prison, he performed concerts wearing a prison jumpsuit. John Lomax thought that Lead Belly's criminal past would make the act more appealing. So when people like Bob Dylan, the Rolling Stones, Peter, Paul and Mary, the Grateful Dead, etc. released songs that were basically white renditions of Lomax's blues recordings, Lomax got the royalties. Alan Lomax even has a writing credit on a Jay-Z song, Takeover. Takeover samples a KRS-One song that samples a Grand Funk Railroad song, which is a cover of a song by the Animals that took its melody from a song that Lomax recorded at Mississippi State Penitentiary called Rosie. This is Rosie that I'm speaking over right now. It's a song set to the beat of the inmates' axes falling as they work. There are more than five different takes of this song in the archive releases because, as you can read in his recording notes, Alan wasn't satisfied with the timing of the performer's axes. Anyway, I don't mean to sound ungrateful. Listen to the recordings at research.culturalequity.org. There's a lot of very good music and very special interviews.
by Demu the Fudge Monk. Next is a Micronesian artist called Res K Resway with another song title that I cannot pronounce.
Platinum Platinum. Before I go, I'd like to share some audio from a video I found on Facebook of three wolves howling together. Here it is, the wolf triad. Isn't that nice? Okay, so this has been episode two of Platinum Ranch. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Antennas Radio. Thanks to the sponsors, of course, uh, MailChimp, Squarespace, Stamps.com. I'll be back in May at the top of the month, uh, I think with a very special Texan guest. With 420 right around the corner, I want to leave you guys with a song I would classify as a 420 hymn or a uh, 420 spiritual. This is Ted Lucas with It Is So Nice To Get Stoned.
so nice to get stoned. It is so nice to get stoned. So nice to get stoned. It is so nice to get stoned. So. It is so...